Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. This tea is not Yorkshire tea. I don't want anybody organizing a pylon. This is Red Bush from glorious South Africa. Amandla, the best tea in the world, but it's quite a nice cup. I've had to abandon most of what I was going to say to you in these first few minutes because of two very dramatic developments in the Russian-Ukraine story. The first of those is as yet unverified, but consists of revelations from the Russian Ministry of Defense uh, that documents and other evidence have been found very close to the Russian border of a full-scale biological weapons laboratory that was manufacturing and stockpiling weapons of mass destruction in the Ukraine. If ever there was evidence that the Ukrainian people and their country are being used and abused by NATO, which is really the United States, the Dutch army doesn't concern anyone very much, neither the Italian nor the Norwegian. These are all lipstick on the pig of American domination. The Ukraine has been used and abused by American politicians, particularly in the Democratic Party's top elite. The Biden family, the Kerry family, have their fingers, not just their fingers, in the till. They're in the till up to the elbows. They're family members working in Ukraine's oil and gas sector hoping to achieve a bonanza if they can develop the extensive oil and gas uh, assets which lie in the seas around the peninsula. Uh, that uh, peninsula is what this war is really about, that and oil and gas. Russia has cut off the main pipeline taking Russian gas to Germany. 40% of Germany's supply is now non-existent. Germans will have to choose between heating and eating. And if they choose heating, their gas prices, having already tripled, will triple again. In fact, the ripples of the sanctions taken by the European Union at the demand of the United States, are going to devastate the European economy. Russia, meanwhile, has adjusted as it said it would, selling all the gas that it would have sold to Europe directly to China, selling all of the wheat that it would otherwise have sold to Europe 
to China and Pakistan and others. As to its commodities, vital in manufacturing in the western part of Europe, you can forget about those. That commodity shortage will start to see shelves emptying and factories closing down. This entire imbroglio is about the United States' intention to contain and confront the Russian Federation. All the rest is just kabuki theater. But the revelation uh, that biological weapons were being stockpiled and being manufactured on the Russian border puts this entire story in a very different light. For younger viewers, and to my dismay, it turns out there are some who know nothing about the US-UK invasion and occupation of Iraq. I must point out to all of you that the existence of a biological weapons program, you'll remember Colin Powell at the UN with his little vial filled with what turned out to be washing up liquid. How appropriate was that? The entire basis of the invasion and occupation of Iraq, which killed a million people and which sent ISIS and Al-Qaeda cascading around the globe, starting earthquakes that have not finished and will not finish in the lifetime of most of the people watching this show this evening. The weapons of mass destruction hoax was a lie. It was entirely a manufactured lie. As anyone of a certain age or anyone with an inquiring brain already knows. If it turns out that it was not Iraq that was manufacturing and stockpiling biological weapons, but the United States of America and on Russia's border, then everything will change forever. Not just a flagrant breach of international law, not just a breach of every chemical and biological weapons convention signed by the United States and Ukraine, about a casus belli that no sane person in the world, no sane person in the world would dispute. If a country hostile to you is manufacturing and amassing an arsenal of biological weapons just across your border, no country in the world would fail to make every precaution necessary to neutralize that deadly threat. Do you know what was in the biological weapons laboratory? Anthrax, the plague, cholera, yellow fever, the whole nine yards of deadly biological weapons. There can be no conceivable excuse, no hiding place from these revelations. And if they turn out to be, as the Ministry of Defense promises that they will, then the United States will never be able to show its face vis-a-vis -vis Syria or anywhere else on this deadly, mortally deadly subject.
of biological weapons. The other new development is that in the last couple of hours, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, of the United States of America, has said that the U.S. will green light, green light, that means they possess the green light, any NATO country that wishes to fly warplanes from their territory to Ukraine for use by the Ukrainian armed forces. The problem is that there are no airfields left usable in Ukraine. All military airfields have been destroyed. The entire military infrastructure of Ukraine has been destroyed. That means that any such jets would have to be flown presumably by, presumably by Ukrainian pilots from air bases in neighboring NATO countries. The Russian government has said that any such development would mean that the country involved would be treated as a direct participant in the conflict and would be attacked. So to these bird brains, many of them experts on COVID just a couple of weeks ago, who are now expert in geopolitics and military strategy, calling for a no-fly zone to be imposed by NATO over Ukrainian airspace, must understand this, that Russia will not just seek to shoot these NATO aircraft out of the sky, but furthermore, the military bases in NATO countries from which these warplanes flew will be a legitimate target and will be destroyed. And then we will have a European war, an open Russia-NATO war, because Article 5 of the NATO Charter treats any attack on any NATO country as an attack upon all of them. That means we'll be at war between Russia and the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And that war may very well quickly become a nuclear war. You thought that this was just a dark cloud, a fearful dark cloud until Blinken's statement today. But now it is bathed in sunlight in its obvious peril for all of us. So those of you who were ready to pay two pounds a gallon for your petrol, ready for your tripled gas prices to triple again, may have to now recalibrate that not only will your economy be destroyed in a European war, it may very well be that all of us will be destroyed in a nuclear war. Nothing could be more serious than this. Blinken's statement could not be a more serious escalation than this. The Biden administration, having used and abused the people of Ukraine for the last eight years, may very well have guaranteed the end of Ukraine as a sovereign independent country and maybe the end of many 
a country in the region and beyond. Some people say to me I should be trying to stop the war in Ukraine. I've been trying to stop the war in Ukraine every single day for the last eight years because the war in Ukraine did not begin 11 days ago. It began in 2014, eight years ago, when the elected Ukrainian government was overthrown in a US-organized coup. The parliament set on fire, the president scampering for his life, and members of the Ukrainian parliament at gunpoint, gunpoint, being forced to sign into law a variety of anti-Russian language measures which guaranteed that the people of eastern Ukraine would reject the coup and seek to defend their language and their culture. Every single day for the last eight years, the Ukrainian armed forces, spearheaded by their fascist militias, evidence of whom is so overwhelming, it is stunning to me that so many people in the West merely avert their eyes, they merely turn away. You show them the swastikas, the jackboots, the SS insignia, the Hitler salutes, the statues to the people who massacred Polish and Ukrainian Jews in overwhelming number. You show them that the IKEA store of all stores, if you don't know the history of IKEA, look it up, is situated on Stepan Bandera Avenue in the capital city of Kiev. Bandera is the spiritual father, the arch collaborator, the Jew killer, the man who massacred Jews from Poland and Ukraine and then put the rest on the trains to Auschwitz where they were industrially gassed by the Nazi filth. Anyone who imagines that Russia, a country which lost 26 million people to the Nazi barbarians would be sanguine about the presence of just across their border the massed ranks of fascism is an idiot, an ignorant fool who didn't know it, or an idiot who did know it, but who thought that nonetheless this could be tolerable. We are now funding, Germany is now funding and arming Nazis in Ukraine. What could possibly go wrong? The truth of the matter is these two new developments breaking this day take us into a dark and potentially catastrophic period of this eight-year war in Ukraine. One last word. The United States government at the level of under secretaries of state have gone to Venezuela, Caracas, to try to kiss and make up 
with Nicolas Maduro and the forces loyal to the late Hugo Chavez. After having destroyed Venezuela for years, sending assassination squads to murder Maduro, the United States, alarmed at the fantastic levels of inflation now visible in the American economy, are trying to persuade Venezuela to abandon Russia and China and return to the pre-Chavez days as a banana republic under the tutelage of the United States. I'm sure that Maduro will tell them where to go, uh, but it's a measure of how dirty real politic can be. In fact, people who predicted the crashing and burning of the Russian economy forgot one thing. They forgot China. They forgot that China will be the biggest economy in the whole world very, very soon. It's 2022. They say it will be before 2030. I'm predicting to you it will be before 2025. Everything Russia produces, China needs. The visa cards that cut off in Moscow have been immediately replaced by a union card operating through China's banking system. The strategic alliance between Russia and China changes everything. And when you factor in that Iran will, in the next couple of days, be back on the international stage, the JCPOA reinstated, sanctions on Iran lifted. When you factor in that India, the second most populous country in the world, is closely aligned with Russia in this terrible conflict in the Ukraine, then you begin to see not just that Ukraine is dividing between East and West, but the world is dividing between East and West. And our problem, those of us who live in the West, is that the sun is rising in the East. Well, it's not every day that you're forced to predict that we may be on the verge of a European war which could become a nuclear war. And I do it with the utmost gravity. And you should hear it with the utmost gravity too. We've got our poll running. Is NATO using the Ukrainian people for its own ends? Yes, A, B, no. You can vote on my Twitter feed on my YouTube and on my Telegram. Here are the telephone numbers because you'll want to have your say. Women callers are prioritized. Callers who disagree with me are prioritized. New callers are prioritized. All callers are welcome. If you're in the United Kingdom, it's 08081965522. That's 08081. 9655522. If you are in the United States, it's also toll free, so it will cost you nothing. 
That's the United States and Canada. The number is plus one, eight four four nine four four double three double four. That's plus one, eight four four nine four four double three double four. And you can email the show at onair at moats.tv. I told you that last week we had a record audience of well in excess of one million. The show already at 723 is the highest audience that we have ever had. Is NATO using the Ukrainian people for its own ends? My goodness, thousands of votes already. On uh, Twitter, yes, 76%. No, 24%. YouTube, yes, 90%. No, 10%. Telegram, yes, 96%. No, 4%. Utterly extraordinary uh, results. Now, Carl Ja is the host of the Silk and Steel podcast. He's... Chinese, like me, married to an Indonesian wife, and he comes to us from Bali. I wish I was in Bali right now, Carl. Tell us, how is it there? It's about three o'clock in the morning, I'm guessing. It is. It is. I just woke up. So Well, you look you remarkably fresh. Uh, thanks for joining us at this unearthly hour for you. Uh, I wanted to start off with that news about Visa and I think MasterCard cutting Russia out, which has already now been replaced by uh, the Union Card, which will operate through Chinese banking. This is the shape of things to come, isn't it? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, this is, is probably the most self-defeating U.S. policy of 2022. I, I, I say that and there's a lot of self-defeating U.S. policies because um, right, they, the West underestimate its own strength and they underestimate uh, the power of China because China definitely got Russia's back. China and Russia have been a long, had a long-standing friendship stretched all the way to um, 19, at least 1989. A lot of people think China and Russia still stuck in the Sino-Soviet split era. But that, that era ended in 1989 when Gorbachev visited uh, Beijing to meet up with Deng Xiaoping. And since then, China and Russia had excellent relationship. And China, there's, it's not in the interest of, interest of China to see Russia fall before the, the power of NATO because they, they know they will be next. If Russia Russia does fail, and and China now has the power to financially support uh, Russia, the the so Visa and Mastercard they're just essentially ceding grounds to the Chinese banking system at this moment. Yes, and ditto the SWIFT uh, canceling Russia's access to SWIFT, though not to the two accounts that deal with the import of oil and gas. Although Russia has just closed the main pipeline to Germany, uh, by cutting Russia out of SWIFT, Russia and China swiftly did a deal that will allow Russia to use the clearance apparatus in China. Yeah, exactly. Uh, China actually created the SIP system, which is uh, alternative to SWIFT in, back in 2015 in anticipation 
of U.S. using SWIFT as a financial weapon. Now, uh, SWIFT is one of the basis of U.S. dollar hegemony because, as we know, uh, U.S. dollar enjoyed the um, status of world currency since World War II because U.S. was the world's largest economy. And then in 1970, uh, 1970s, U.S. worked out a deal with Saudi Arabia to price the oil uh, to price the oil in the, in U.S. dollars, and other oil producer follow suit. So this is what became known as petrodollar. This is a basis of. Uh, you know, petrodollar and a financial strength is one of the pillar of the U.S. empire. And it's quite amazing to me now U.S. is sabotaging one of its own pillars of, of its own hegemony because um, now Russia will be forced to move off the dollar and, and to settle its trade with China, one of its top uh, trading partner in Yuan. And and this is just the beginning of an end for the dollar hegemony because uh, as of earlier this this year, Russia's uh, Russia-China trade only 17% was settled in yuan, but now they're going to move all most of it in yuan. And this is just the beginning. I mean, Russia they they U.S. did this to uh, to Iran early, a couple of years earlier, right? So so we're going to see Russia, Iran, and pretty soon more people is going to switch off this SWIFT system because one of the reasons for the dollar hegemony is because it's not only U.S. was the world's largest economy, uh, more uh, relatively stable, but because it's also relatively easy to use the system that's already in place. But now people will look at U.S. and, and see it's as, uh, you know, at any moment if, if uh, their government uh, became uh, became target of the U.S. government policy that they could be taken off the SWIFT system. So U.S. no longer U.S. dollar is no longer a, a safe haven currency, and more people are gonna have their backup plans. And this is really, uh, like I said, this is really the stupidest uh, U U.S. policy in the 2022 yet. Yeah, uh, although there's a long way to go in 2022, so we'll uh, we'll wait uh, on that uh, <laughs> that. That prediction coming true, but the, um, the you said NATO uh, has China in its sights next, and that is abundantly clear. I've spent most of the last few months broadcasting in the United States about uh, the hostile moves against China, uh, the uh, sailing of gunboats, uh, the uh, breaches of the One China policy by the United States top officials going there. Pompeo was recently paid $150,000 to go and give a speech there, inching towards recognition of and independence of Taiwan that most Taiwanese Chinese people don't even want. And just today, the mighty military power of Australia, backed, of course, by its AUKUS partners, America and the UK, refused to rule out arming Taiwan. Now, actually arming Taiwan would be an imminent warning to the Chinese that whilst they have no wish to reunify their country by force, they better reunify it by force before NATO and AUKUS 
make reunification impossible. They're going to try and turn Taiwan into the new Ukraine. Uh, that is what U.S. would like to do. But unfortunately, the, um, the, the current way to do about it, I doubt that will succeed. Uh, first of all, they're, they're tr U.S. is trying to go the people's, uh, the people's Liberation Army into carrying a major military operation against Taiwan. So, so U.S. will have an excuse to start uh, a huge war in Pacific. This is, this is basically the talk doctrine of U.S. Navy. As a, as a matter of fact, while the Ukraine war is going on, U.S. Navy just put a statement that uh, U.S. can't fight two-front war <laughs> because, you know, it's budget season. and They, they showed want... that in Afghanistan, Carl. Yeah, I mean, you, U.S. wanted to, right now, you, it's budget season, and U.S. Navy would very much like to have a larger share of its one uh, $770 billion military budget pie. They don't want all of that, all of that going to Europe. They want to stress their own importance. Uh, therefore, they bring up Taiwan. But U.S. traditionally have been selling uh, weapons to Taiwan under its so-called the Taiwan Relation Act, which doesn't even obligate U.S. to necessarily come to defense of Taiwan. It just says U.S. should help Taiwan to defend itself. And that U.S. military industrial complex has interpreted that as selling this high-budget, uh, expensive weapons to Taiwan that the Taiwanese people themselves recognize are probably useless in any in any kind of war scenario breakout. But they understand they have to continually pay this money. Yeah, it's, to protection. The US. it's protection money. Exactly. It's like exactly. the Sopranos or uh, Don Corleone, protection money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so this is, right now, they just want to uh, keep the racket going. I mean, basically, for U.S. military industrial complex, Taiwan is a good grip because they, they can annually sell Taiwan all these expensive, uh, outdated, useless weapons and and everybody gets uh, gets a share. You know, people in the Pentagon gets kicked back, and Lockheed Martin they have not tidy profit. So I think this is their this is a goal. Their goal is to keep the, the the tension high, so they can keep increase the military budget, keep selling weapons to Taiwan. But I don't think I don't think even the the crazy uh, hawks necessarily won the actual hot war over Taiwan Strait because, um, you know, China is a nuclear power and they also understand any kind of hot war shooting war between U.S. and China will quickly escalate into a nuclear exchange in 20 minutes. So I, I, I think their, their sense of self-preservation is just as strong as ours, George. So I, I, I do not foresee um, an active uh, they planning for active war, but they will definitely keep cranking up the tension because that that um, because that's how they profit from this grift. Well, don't be complacent about that. I've met Steve Bannon, and I assure you, nothing would please him more than standing on the bridge uh, of a U.S. gunboat uh, sailing down the Yangtze. Uh, the the crazies in Washington. Uh, would very much like a war with China on the basis, uh, if you think back uh, to the Korean War, uh, where they actively 
contemplated the use of nuclear weapons before China developed such weapons itself. Uh, they now think that they're going to have to fight a war with China eventually, so better do it now than later when China can only be stronger. There is that thought in Washington that they have a very small limited time window, maybe five to 10 years, where uh, U.S. still enjoy military superiority over China. But yet, they U.S. also know they don't no longer have a regional dominance around the Taiwan Strait. You know, U.S. used to sell its aircraft carrier group through the Taiwan Strait. Now they only sell one ship at a time because you know, China's uh, uh, land-based missile could saturate the Taiwan Strait at any time. You know, you know, you know, if a war breaks out, any U.S. ship in the Taiwan Strait will be sitting target, and the U.S. Navy understands that. And uh, and on top of that, um, China is in no hurry to militarily uh, resolve Taiwan issue because. Really, the, the, the most dangerous time in Taiwan Strait was back in 1958, uh, right after Korean War. At that time, during the Kinmen Crisis, uh, when, when China, when, when mainland China and Taiwan government exchanged artillery shells to the uh, scale of several hundred thousand artillery shells per day, that, that's, that time U.S. actually actively contemplated use nuclear weapons against mainland China in case uh, the People's Liberation Army cross the uh, ocean and take the island. But that, um, and that, that was back when U.S. actually actively stationed nuclear-tipped missiles on Taiwan, pointed at mainland. But uh, since for the last 30 years, though, not only shelling has stopped, but there's increased economic integration between mainland and mainland China and Taiwan. Now there's over a million Taiwanese people working, studying, and live on mainland China. The the economic Taiwan 40 percent of the Taiwan's export go to mainland China. That that integration will only deepen as time comes. So China, from from China's perspective, China is in not a hurry to force the issue by military. Uh, but you are right, there, there are elements in Pentagon that probably want to stir up the tensions and stir up the trouble. Well, as a famous Chinese man once said, sometimes the enemy struggles mightily to lift a huge stone only to drop it on its own feet. Uh, lastly, and I'm grateful for your time at this uh, hour, um, China is the main trading partner with an astonishing number of places now in the world, possibly with most countries in the world. Every country in Latin America, for example, from Mexico to Chile, uh, has as its main trading partner China. But I was amazed to discover this afternoon that Germany uh, has China as its main trading partner. We're now sailing into what might become a general European war. And China and Russia are strategic allies, as close as uh, can be. Uh, what's that going to mean for European-Chinese relations? How long before uh, the boycott of all things Russian becomes a call to boycott all things China? And then, actually, there'll be nothing to eat, use, <laughs> or play with. Uh, exactly. I mean, in fact, Ger Germany's foreign minister 
before the war broke out in Ukraine, uh, warned China that Germany will use its uh, economic power uh, if China comes on the side comes out on the side of Russia. But it's an empty threat because what is Germany going to do? Germany needs China more than China needs Germany. Uh, is Germany going to threaten to cut off sales of luxury car to the Chinese market? That's their lar largest market, uh, their largest export market. And, you know, you will definitely, I mean, this is, again, you, you um, has already been forced to to you know take side with the United States against Russia when it comes to the European gas deal. Um, but they, if they're gonna do do that to their largest trading partner China, they're really gonna they're really lifting the stone and and <laughs> and hitting their own feet. I mean, I I don't see they will go to go to that extreme because. Um, even Germany's uh, denial of certification of Nor Nord, Stream, Nord Stream 2 to Russia, it's, it's, just a it, it's just a temporary thing because uh, that could easily reversible. It's not like they're, they're uninstalling the pipelines, right? So they're probably, their calculus is probably once the crisis is over, they can review the process and recertify the pipeline again. So I, I don't see them simultaneously take on China and Russia at the same time. That's just suicidal. Carl Jarth, thank you for joining us on board on the mother of all talk shows. A real pleasure to meet you. Uh, Donald Korta is an American in Moscow. He's a journalist and a political analyst and an all-round rising star. As you saw the last time, he was on the mother of all talk shows. What a build-up, Donald. Don't let us down. Very nice to see you. Now, uh, it's not, of course, uh, possible for you to talk to people anywhere in the European Union, anywhere in North America, uh, from the normal, through the normal channels uh, on uh, Moscow-based televisions. Um, but people are, all the evidences, seeking out actively ways that they can listen to you and your uh, colleagues. But how are you feeling? Are you feeling isolated? Uh, hey, George, thanks a lot for uh, inviting me on the program. I mean, uh, the fact that you invited me on your program is the first indication that I don't feel very isolated, actually. Um, I've had uh, basically equal amounts of uh, support uh, from people around the world. I've gotten tons of more attention, actually, on my social media platforms now that uh, I'm presenting to the Western people what their governments don't want them to see. It's actually uh, become uh, sort of it's sort of given me a lot of popularity, especially because also my Twitter now says Russian state affi affiliated media, even though I'm you know, my it's my personal page not associated with uh, RT where I work and everything. Um, I've been getting just as much support as I have been getting death threats and uh, people sending me uh, my, my personal address because simply because I work at uh, RT. Uh, so I can't say I feel alienated. No, but more in the spotlight, 100 percent. Yeah. Well, uh, the book they try to ban always goes to the top of the bestseller list. But I mean, every cloud has a silver lining, at least. Uh, Western politicians and hack uh, so-called journalists will never again be able to claim that whilst Russia and China 
sense of the media, uh, they have a free media space. Although you'd be amazed that given we've got uh, Julian Assange in a dungeon right now, how many of them uh, still try to spin that ludicrous line? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say about uh, in terms of media censorship, it's the most hypocritical thing that the, that in the West, the governments and the media say that they live in uh, in the freest societies in the world. When let's not forget, it's not Russia that blocked Western media first. It was the West that blocked Russian media first. Uh, RT and Sputnik were blocked over there. And in response, the the uh, Ru Russia blocked. I have them the list right here. Radio Free America, BBC. Uh, Deutsche Welle, ABC, these, this list goes on and on. But the, the funniest thing, actually, is that once these outlets were banned in Russia, they called it an attack on independent media. But in reality, all of these are either owned by huge corporations or run by the government. Deutsche Welle, German government, BBC, uh, British government, Radio Free America, American government. So it's just like really hypocritical to me, you know? Well, uh, one of the things that we now know, some of us always did know, but everyone now knows, that even where corporations are privately owned, they are entirely uh, under the thumb of the state that they are based in. So um, nobody seriously believes that, say, Twitter or Facebook uh, would have continued to allow a free speech. Uh, if the American government uh, instructed them not to. So the, the, uh, the idea that we have in this country and countries like it, maybe it died in Canada actually over the truckers uh, thing, that whatever the state interest, not the popular interest, but the state interest of, uh, of Western power uh, dictates uh, the corporations uh, follow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the most uh, the biggest and most contemporary example is in Ukraine, for example. I mean, this is a this is a perfect example of uh, the United States state and the media working hand in hand here. The media ratings go way up by, uh, you know, spreading this anti-Russia hysteria throughout the Western world, making everyone uh, you know, uh, scared of the big bad guy, Russia. And at the same time, the state uh, gets to, um, you know, militarize Eastern Europe against Russia, uh, saying it's the bad guy in this whole Europe, uh, Ukraine conflict thing. Well, I was going to ask you about that because um, we now have a situation where Formula One drivers, tennis players, uh, opera singers orchestral conductors, ice skaters, ballet dancers are all being told uh, by their European and North American employers that unless they denounce the president of their own country, uh, they will be fired from their jobs. Now, just imagine, it's unimaginable, but try and imagine this, Donald. Imagine if in Western countries it was said to Israeli ballet dancers or conductors or sports people, denounce the government of Israel or you will be fired. Can you imagine, quite rightly, 
the scandal that that would be, the popular outrage that would ensue. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ludicrous to even uh, to even think that that could possibly happen. But just because it's happening against Russia right now, it's uh, considered just normal in the Western world. And it's also silly because the the you know the U.S. government and European countries are saying that all these sanctions are uh, against the Russian government. They're not against the Russian people. But this is exactly one example of this negatively affecting the Russian people. Basically putting athletes and ballet dancers and everyone you noted there in a position where they have to betray their own country, basically, if it, whether they agree with the government or not, but they have to uh, basically publicly denounce their own government just to do what they love with their lives. I mean, not to mention the fact that uh, the, the collapse of the ruble is not just hurting the Russian government, it's hurting all of uh, Russia, you know, and the, it's causing a rise in prices of all imported goods. It's not these these sanctions are hurting uh, ordinary people, not the not the state. Yeah, I mean, you don't have enough to be a, a live Russian. The Dostoevsky course at the University of Milan has right. been has been canceled. As far as I know, Dostoevsky died about 150 years ago, uh, uh, but he's banned. In fact, you don't even have to be Russian. Uh, there's uh, serious people discussing what to do about a statue of Friedrich Engels outside a library in Manchester, where he wrote the epic history of the working class in England. He's German, or he was yeah. when he died in the 19th century. This is how widespread and how deeply this madness has gone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, those are even the more... Uh, you know, less dangerous examples of the consequences of this kind of Russophobic uh, behavior. We also heard about the Russian embassy in Australia that was sent envelopes with a suspicious white powder. Uh, we saw that the, the Russian embassy in, um, in France was also vandalized. I mean, it's, this whole situation is causing uh, the, the Western world to get into some sort of anti-Russian frenzy. It is quite extraordinary, I must say. You'd think it was the only war going on right now. You'd think the Yemen war wasn't actually happening, even though it's American and British weapons that are being used in that war, that are laying right. waste the poorest people on the earth. You'd think that wasn't even happening. There's no armbands for Yemen, no right. Eiffel Tower being lit up for Yemen, no sanctions against the arms manufacturers whose product is massacring children in Yemen right now. Yeah, I'd be surprised if most people who are actually, uh, you know, making a huge fuss over this Russian military operation in Ukraine even knew the details about the, the, uh, the conflict there, or if they, or if they had as much care as, uh, as they have right now for when uh, Afghanistan was occupied by the United States for 20 years, or Libya was bombed by NATO. Uh, I mean, this, this, uh, there, there's so much rhetoric that we see, uh, that, that we've seen in the Western media that goes to show the double standards. People saying, oh, this is the, uh, the, the greatest tragedy the, the, that uh, Europe has seen since World War II, just because this war is happening on European territory. But, so, yeah, uh, but you know, they forget the, about Yugoslavia. Belgrade, right. Belgrade is a great European capital. 
the Yugoslav Serbian people are blonde and blue-eyed. They're European. They're even Christians. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, really. Now, I wanted to ask you, you may not have further particulars, but it seems to me that the breaking story about the discovery uh, of biological weapons laboratories near the Russian border in Ukraine is a potential game changer, at least in public relations terms. Have you any, uh, any uh, uh, further and better particulars on that? Well, I did see uh, today, just several hours ago, there were uh, documents connected to this that were released. Um, I couldn't read them because they were in, in Ukrainian, but uh, it seems like the Russian Ministry of Defense is saying that it has some significant uh, evidence to suggest that Ukraine was, uh, you know, hosting some sort of uh, uh, bioweapons bio labs that were funded by the United States. Um, I haven't seen, you know, uh, we have to look to see uh, how further evidence comes forward. But this is actually uh, something that was uh, rumored to have been taking place for years now, actually. So it's interesting to see that uh, these, these documents come forward and what's going to come next. And what about Blinken's uh, pronouncement just a few hours ago uh, that the U.S. will green light a very interesting uh, phrase? making obvious, if it wasn't before, that the U.S. decides what NATO does, will greenlight uh, NATO warplanes are being sent into the theater of war. Yeah, I did see that. I saw um, uh, Tony, Anthony Blinken speaking with, if I'm not mistaken, Ukraine's foreign minister uh, on the ground about that. And uh, it's obviously very startling, and it's just another reason, in my opinion, for why these negotiations between Russia and Ukraine are taking so long. It's very clear that Zelensky and uh, the Kiev government is stalling for time as long as possible so it can get more and more support in terms of weapons and money from Western Europe and the United States, as well as uh, getting thousands more international volunteers who are, you know, support these neo-fascists in Ukraine and are coming to join the Ukrainian military and fight Russia alongside uh, the, the Ukrainian military. I mean, Russia really obviously wants these negotiations to be successful. They want Ukraine to be denazified. Uh, they want it to be neutral and they don't want it to be a military threat to Russia anymore. And it really, you know, Moscow really does not want to have to overthrow the Ukrainian government. That would be, uh, you know, a, a super, uh, it would be a terrible enterprise for Ukraine. Uh, it would necessitate probably a military occupation, which Russia has time and time again said it doesn't want to do. And the only way to guarantee that none of that is going to happen is if uh, the Ukrainian government negotiates. But like we're seeing now, there as, as these negotiations like go at a snail's pace, Ukraine continues to get weapons and probably is going to get these planes from, uh, from, from the West as these negotiations continue. And not much has actually been uh, accomplished. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that was accomplished, I think we could say, is that humanitarian corridors were agreed upon. And the most significant one was established out of uh, Mariupol, which is the location where uh, it's one of the most hot, hotly contested areas between the neo-fascist militias in uh, Ukraine and the Russian military, uh, they 
created the humanitarian corridor uh, through there so that civilians can escape the fighting. And the last thing I saw about that was, was a statement from the uh, Russian Ministry of Defense saying not one civilian actually used that humanitarian corridor. And what reports are saying, and I've seen unverified videos of this as well, is that the, these neo-fascist militias are not letting civilians leave. So how this go on then? This goes on and on. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sorry? So the fighting just goes on? Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. I mean, the, the fighting is going on and on. Uh, they've, the delegations have only agreed on uh, these humanitarian corridors, but it looks like in practice they're not panning out so well. Uh, another thing that's important to mention is just uh, a couple days ago, uh, one of the um, it was confirmed that one of the members of the Ukrainian delegation negotiating with uh, the Russian delegation was killed. Yep. He was arrested by the Ukrainian Secret Service yep. uh, on suspicion that he was uh, betraying his country. On suspicion, no trial, nothing. He was arrested by the secret, the secret police, and killed. And uh, this was just reports for for a little while, but then the Ukrainian government confirmed it. Uh, so they you know, did, and uh, I've seen the picture of his body, two bullets to the chest. Yeah. Imagine if a Russian negotiator had been murdered by the Russian intelligence on his return to Moscow. That would have been a rather bigger story than the murder of poor Denis, uh, the Ukrainian uh, negotiator. Uh, Donald, thanks very much for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. I'm glad you're still in good spirits. Scouser Lar says NATO cares for the people of Ukraine in the same way they cared for the people of Libya. And voila, says, never was NATO a charity. NATO itself is being used by the USA, while this superpower needs someone to handle Europe so they can have time to terrorize China. And Stuart Wheeler says, NATO certainly do not seem to want it to end. Who, apart from France, is actually pushing for an end rather than an escalation? No one is giving any credence to long-standing, long-recognized Russian concerns. Putin has made a big mistake, but did he have any other cards to play? And JP Hughes says this proxy war is about preserving US global dominance, an attempt to neutralize Russia and contain China to prevent the emergence of a new multipolar world. Ukraine will be the next Afghanistan. Well, let's talk to an American. 
joining me now from the United States is Peter Coffin. He's the host of uh, uh, the uh, PACD podcast. He's an author and a political analyst, and he joins me now. I hope, Peter, thank you uh, for joining us. One of the things I wanted to uh, ask you is how the left in politics, I know uh, left and right don't mean quite what they used to mean, uh, and I know that there's a lot of cross-dressing, uh, and I know that the Democrats, whilst imagined in Europe to be the left of the American political spectrum, uh, clearly uh, are up to their neck in this latest war, as well as sundry crimes against the workers in America. Uh, but what about left of the Democrats? Where, where are the socialists and progressives in the United States lining up on this? Well, I would say you end up seeing a lot of people who are identifying as maybe a socialist or a communist or what have you. And uh, those folks are, are not necessarily really taking a different line than uh, the Democrats. I mean, we see people like um, the various streamers, the, the people like Vosh or uh, um, there's an, any number of the surf, uh, a lot of streamers, a lot of YouTubers, a lot of these sort of alternative media people who have cultivated an image for themselves as more radical than the Democrats are ultimately not really coming off as that different than the Democrats, or at least noticeably. I, I, I don't see a lot of difference. I don't see a lot of people pay much attention to the fact that uh, there are uh, there's a Nazi or neo-Nazi neo paramilitary incorporated officially into the National Guard of the Ukraine. Um, sorry, Ukraine. Uh, I, I am from the. I was born in the 1980s and went to school when they were still calling it the Ukraine. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, the left of the Democrats, then Bernie Sanders and the people around him, they seem to be as gung ho as Uncle Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie, I think, has really unfortunately come off in a manner that has, uh, I think, disappointed a lot of the people who gained political consciousness in the 2015-16 uh, campaign. We had Bernie Sanders sort of preaching a very different paradigm, or at least different than what you would ever expect to see in the mainstream media, uh, preaching a very different paradigm than the Democrats were then. But he's lockstep with them now. Like if we had elected him president, uh, it's hard to believe that something would be going differently right now. And yet the right is where at least skepticism and sometimes outright opposition is, uh, is, is to be found. Uh, the Tucker Carlson on, on Fox News, uh, who doesn't want a war with Russia, but seems to quite fancy one with China, uh, and I know a few <laughs> American correspondents like that. Uh, Ron, the Ron Paul Institute, uh, people on the libertarian and right wing of American uh, politics. Uh, other than Tulsi Gabbard, I'm not sure if she's left or right, uh, but she made the best statement on it so far. Well, I would say a lot of the, the sort of right wing people we're seeing sort of preaching an isolationist view which in terms of, you know, whether we should be going to, to war with various small countries that can't defend themselves against the United States, 
uh, that's at least a better view, I would say, than what the like. You could say that there are a lot of currents in conservatism right now that are very anti-war from a kind of nationalist perspective, not necessarily the best perspective in the world, but ultimately, like, if you're really looking for war hawks, uh, it's that you just look in the Democrats right now, as far as I'm concerned. I saw a poll, very interested in it. It showed that 53% of Americans polled uh, believe that the United States should get involved uh, if this comes to a wider European war, uh, which I think is actually a very small majority indeed. But when it was broken down into class, into socioeconomic terms, the richer you were, the more keen on a war you were, the poorer you were, the poorest people in America that were polled, only 23% of them uh, wanted America to join the war. But the richest Americans, 67% of them uh, wanted to uh, get involved in a, in a war. That's quite telling, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny that the, the the more likely you are to have a stock portfolio, which may include various defense contractors, the more likely you are to support some form of international intervention. It's so strange. I just I don't know where that's coming from. It's it's weird. <laughs> Hard to understand. I know yeah. uh, the the Trumpers. Uh, where do they stand? Where is DeSantis and uh, and, and Trump himself? Well, I've I've haven't actually heard a lot from them. I've heard some kind of vague criticisms uh, from uh, the sort of DeSantis Trump camp, but I think a lot of them kind of see this as not necessarily a full on um, like an interventionist war. I think a lot of people on that in that area are seeing this more as like a, a war of conquest, and and I don't know that they really have a a position for the U.S. military there, because I see a lot of people who like voted for Trump saying things like we shouldn't be over there. But like at the moment, we're not really in a position where we're, quote unquote, over there. So I don't know exactly what that person meant. I, I don't know. I see more of that on um, Facebook than I see, uh, you know, talking to, to a lot. I've talked to a lot of different people about this. Um, most of them I would, I would pin as, as apolitical more so than the sort of MAGA Trump people. And I, I, there's a, a balance in between sort of a skepticism that I don't think was there a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, this sort of, uh, the more liberal you get, the more, it seems like you're willing to just flat out support this. And you're saying like, you know, we need to donate money to the Ukrainian military. Zelensky's out on the front lines, even though that's been disproven, that type of thing. Um, I would say the further, the, the closer to the sort of apolitical center, and I, I specify apolitical center because you can have kind of a liberal-ish center, but I'd say the closer to the apolitical center you are, the more likely you are to be skeptical. Um, I'm not saying it's a definite thing that tracks on there, but that's at least what I've noticed in speaking with people. Well, this is a global audience you're talking to now, m many of whom, uh, because they've got good sense, want to know what is being said uh, in America. Who would you recommend people start checking out, start following, including your good selves, of course? Well, yeah, obviously, we would like people to uh, to listen to the PACT podcast. 
But uh, I would also, I would send people towards uh, Caleb Maupin. I would send people towards um, people in that orbit, more or less. Uh, a lot of them are just a lot more concerned with, you know, getting the story from people who are actually there. Like I, I know uh, several folks who don't necessarily have like a large um, presence, but they've been relaying information to various people in that circle uh, from actually from like the two uh, breakaway republics in Donbass. Uh, I think that basically look who Caleb Maupin is retweeting right now. There's a, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have a list of people. No, that's moment, okay. That's, Caleb, that's... Caleb is a good friend of the show. He's often uh, a guest on the show. So he could be the gateway to, uh, to others because sensible people want to hear from other voices. Lastly, Peter, Absolutely. I know it's only just broken, but Blinken has green-lighted NATO warplanes uh, to uh, enter the, the war. Uh, this, if followed through, I see Poland has already rejected it, but this, if fo followed through, could be the precursor of a general European war, uh, which could, of course, become a nuclear war. Is that dawning on people in America yet? I think a lot, you know, what's strange is they actually kind of took this World War III angle early on in the narrative, and then it kind of fizzled out as Russia didn't attack over for several weeks. Um, and, and I don't know that it's really sort of set in that there is an actual possibility of that, because I think people sort of, they took it on, they were like, oh no, World War III is coming, and then it didn't. And I think they've kind of moved on from it, but I, especially with what you're saying there, I, I certainly am more concerned with a, a European land war slash air war. Uh, that's not something any of us want. And I hope that more Americans understand uh, that they need to be skeptical and they can't be supporting this, uh, this imperialist type of aggression, whether it comes directly from America or from one of our satellites. Peter Coffin, thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Other products are available, whatever that was you just drank. Sir Jack Union says Putin has played himself into the hands of NATO, otherwise known as the United States. He is now globally vilified and despised. Russia has been weakened by his stupidity. And Yacht Ninke says the West is using ethno-nationalists to fight Russia, who actually admit to enjoying fighting. This will solve the problem of weakening the elements they've let run riot in Ukraine. Graham says, Graham 354 says, NATO needs to go as it is being used to promote the US corporate-run unipolar world they aspire to. And Darren Young says, you find it impossible to look critically at Russia, don't you? Is it only the salary that matters to you, or is it something ideological? Well, Darren, there's uh, two parts to my answer to that. I have been with Russia for more than 50 years, long before I ever worked for any Russian media outfit. And now I don't work for any Russian media outfit because they've been closed down and I cannot be paid. So that's the part of, the, the nasty part of your question that I wanted to deal with comprehensively. 
Although let me say in brackets that thanks to Max Kaiser and his advice a decade ago to get Bitcoin at $10 each, I actually don't need to be paid by anyone. Cry more. Cry more. But as to whether I can look at Russia uh, critically, that's simply not true. I have said many times on Russian media, many times on Russian media, uh, that if I was in Russia, I wouldn't have voted for Vladimir Putin. I would have voted for the main opposition candidate who did rather well and was the candidate of a party that is the main opposition party in the Duma. I'm all for the Russian opposition party. But here's the bad news for you, Darren. That's the Communist Party of Russia. It's Putin or the communists in Russia cry more. Is NATO using the Ukrainian people for its own ends? You can vote on my Twitter feed, on my YouTube, on my Telegram. I can tell you that it is a new record high poll. 6,700 people have voted. It beats the record of last Thursday of 6,200, but that poll lasted three hours. This one is lasting only two. So let me take some calls. Uh, Paula is in High Wycombe. Welcome, Paula. Oh, oh. Minute. Oh, hang on a sec. Oh my God. What's wrong? I can hear you clearly. Sorry, George. Oh, sorry, George. Are you there? Yeah, I can hear you well. The whole world's listening. I'm so sorry. The moment I get my big moment, a phone call comes in. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh. Take it easy. Okay. I hope the phone call goes away so I can speak to you. Yeah. That's okay. We can't hear it. Don't worry. Oh, good. Okay. Um. What it is, Sir George, and my my head's a bit like, my brain probably is a bit like scrambled eggs at the moment, but um, the first one was I wanted to talk about freedom of speech, well, probably anywhere in the world, but especially in the UK, regarding what's going on in, in Ukraine at the moment. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> take, take your time. Take your time. Yeah, sorry. Excuse me. <sighs> Um, sorry. Um, basically what happened was, and it sort of alludes to um, uh, the, the comment before last you were reading out, I think, about um, that, that you, you didn't appear to be, you know, criticising Russia's part. You were more supporting it rather than being against it. But uh, basically I, I happened to mention on a site and I know it's very controversial and um, probably makes me sound like the crazy woman, but wouldn't the simplest, simplest solution to this at the, at the very moment, all things taken into account, be that Putin should be... Um, well, I certainly think he should be brought to um, the International Court at Hague, of course, at Hague for a walk. walk yeah, well, uh, Tony Blair and Gordon Brown uh, called for that today. You might find that uh, slightly ironic, Paula. 
I do. I didn't. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, the the Gordon Brown and Sir Tony Blair called <laughs> for Vladimir Putin to be tried at the Hague. Um, I think a better people to make that call, namely yourself, George. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely would not make that call. Uh, anyone who blames Putin for this crisis has not been paying attention. Or, worse than that, uh, they simply don't care about the 14,000 dead people uh, in eastern Ukraine. Ukrainian citizens killed by uh, the Ukrainian armed forces they would simply uh, have to have been ignorant of uh, the massive presence of the most vicious anti-Semite and fascist forces uh, doing that killing. They would have to be ignorant of NATO's intention uh, to push further and further down the European plane, uh, which uh, has been the traditional place through which Russia was invaded from the West. You have to know these things. You have to be able to walk in the other fellow's shoes. You have to know that Napoleon invaded uh, uh, Russia across that plain. You have to know that the British <laughs> in 1920 invaded Russia down that plain. You'd have to know that Hitler invaded Russia down that plain. And you'd have to know that no Russian government led by anyone who was sentient, could possibly allow uh, people who are absolutely hostile to Russia to move their weapons, including nuclear weapons, closer and closer and closer to Russia's borders. So actually, if you want someone to blame for what's happening in Ukraine, the blame lies in the West, not in the East, Paula. Such as it may be, George, and I must admit, um, I, I do need, my research needs to be upgraded in that regard. Um, but in any case, are you seriously telling me that Ukraine, stand, I mean, okay, I know we're talking about nuclear weapons, but has, has any chance of standing against the might of Russia? No, are you really of course not. You didn't listen to me. Sorry, if, go on. If then. Ukraine joins NATO, it will have American military bases and American nuclear weapons inside its territory. Five minutes flying time from Russia. How can you possibly... Would, would the United States allow Russian nuclear weapons in Mexico or Chinese nuclear weapons in Canada? Would they... Oh, well, it's, let's be frank. It's not a question of whether uh, what, what Putin would would allow. And uh, to be honest, really honest with why you, Why is it George, not? Why is it uh, not? Why, Paula, Paula, why is it not? Why, why don't you answer Sorry? that question? Would Biden allow Russian nuclear weapons in Mexico pointing at the United States? Would he allow the Chinese... Is irrelevant. Why is it? Why is it irrelevant? Why? How? Because it's... It's, you know, we're talking about the here and now. We're talking about what's well, we going on now. Well, we are talking about the here and now. Ukraine asked to join NATO. That's here and now. Okay. 
Okay, and, wh- and why shouldn't they in the circumstances? Well, would Mexico and Canada be permitted to join a military alliance with Russia and China, with Russian and Chinese nuclear weapons on America's border? Would they? I still think it's an irrelevance. We've got to talk about what's happening now, George. But it is now. Ukraine asked to join NATO yeah. now. Okay. UK, Ukraine has asked to join, not, not Mexico or, or Canada or wherever you're But why about. is my analogy not relevant? How could it not be relevant? Because we're not, you're not dealing with the facts of what's happening this minute, this day, well, this minute, well, this no, hour. You're right. The only one of my three examples that actually exists is the threat of American nuclear weapons in Ukraine. You're right. There are no Russian nuclear weapons in Mexico. There are no Chinese nuclear weapons in Canada. But Ukraine has asked to join the nuclear armed military alliance called NATO. Now, if if you think Russia would allow that, you must think that Biden would allow my two examples of Mexico and Canada. Do you want me to be really frank with you, George? I'm sure you're going to be, Paula. I am, actually, now that I've gone with my emotions a bit. But they are still very strong in other respects. Um, Sorry, I've just really got this stupid call coming. I'm sorry. my, my solution to it, the simplest solution as I see it, mm-hmm. it's very controversial. Yeah. So please don't cut me off. I haven't cut you off before now, despite all the difficulties in this conversation, Paula. So go on. Such, such as what, George? Such as calls coming in when you're talking to me, such as you, oh, breaking, sorry, down, I, I, such I, as you breaking down in tears. I haven't cut well, you I off, and I, I, I haven't Sorry. cut you off, and I'm not going to cut you off. So give okay. me, give me your highly controversial solution. Putin should be assassinated. And how are you going to manage that, Paula? Well, I, obviously, it's, it's not going to happen under under my watch, under my mm-hmm. uh, instruction, mm-hmm. should I say? Uh, do you normally uh, go on the airwaves calling for the assassination of world leaders, Paula? No, no, not at all. But are we to respect Putin then in this situation? Well, Is that what you're do, saying, you, do you call for the assassination of everybody you don't respect? No, of course not. Quite. But I just think it's, it's a heinous crime that's happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in large terms, as I was trying to allude to a few moments ago, I've admired you so much. You can't believe it over the years, okay? Mm-hmm. But on last week's show, in the last 30 minutes or so, mm-hmm. when you started to take a walk down a different avenue, I thought, do I know the George Galloway I've been listening to all these years, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is your... your well, I, I'm sorry know. I haven't taken you with me uh, on my arguments, but I, I really ask you to take stock of what I've said. It seemed to me that you didn't actually know some of the things that I was telling you, and you had not grasped some of the points that I was making. I hope you will study more. But you got plenty of freedom of speech, Paula, and I'm glad that you called in. Ian is in Ontario in Canada. Go ahead, Ian. 
Yes, uh, g- good evening, and thanks for taking my call, George. Uh, Welcome. Unfortunately, I am calling for, from Canada now. I've been back here for six years after 35 years in Brittany, France. And I'm not a Russian stooge, but uh, back in 1962, I wrote a letter to Khrushchev after this American girl wrote to Khrushchev to get these uh, uh, Russian dolls, which he got. So I thought, well, I wanted a picture of a woolly mammoth from the zoo, not the zoo, from the museum in Russia. But all, all that happens, my letter got as far as, as the Communist Party of Canada in, in Ottawa. And uh, my parents said, no, you're too young to join the party. And so I, I gave up on that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> well, from what I've seen party. of them, from what I've seen of them recently, and you had a narrow escape. <laughs> well, all I wanted was a picture of the woolly mammoth. I still haven't got it, but anyways. <laughs> uh, my quick question for you, George, is this one here. Uh, regarding what the, uh, the idiots, imbeciles, uh, have uh, never been in American history, as far as I know, in power in Washington, and them greenlighting uh, planes that are either Ukrainian or not, taking yeah. off from from uh, well, they wouldn't be. They yeah, wouldn't be. Yeah, they wouldn't be uh, Ukrainian. They'd be Romanian. They'd be uh, other uh, NATO members' planes, which of course means that NATO is then in the war, and those planes uh, could be shot from the sky. They could be brought down by. Uh, Russia's world-beating uh, anti-aircraft batteries uh, right. and uh, their, um, their pilots uh, killed, their weaponry destroyed, and so on. Uh, it, it's a nightmarish escalation, Ian. But, but my question then, my real question for, to you then, George, is, is this one here. As idiotic as these people are in Washington, they must realize that Russia is going to react, and this is going to be... A, 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 a potentially a nuclear war. Do you think they thought that through? That's my question. Uh, well, they would hope that it wouldn't become a nuclear war. Uh, but of course, uh, if the conventional war became uh, spectacularly big enough, uh, then uh, nuclear weapons would be very likely to be used. Uh, they may hope Uh, that Russia would not be able to defeat them in a conventional war. It may be a game of chicken like we had over the the Cuban missile crisis. Uh, But then we had two wiser leaders in charge. I was thinking that myself, between Kennedy and Khrushchev back in those days. Yeah, Kennedy and Khrushchev uh, actually made a good deal. They did. They made a good deal. They took the nuclear weapons out of Cuba and secretly, albeit, yeah, uh, the uh, American nuclear weapons were withdrawn from Turkey. Uh, so it may be that, but I wouldn't want to bet on it, would you, Ian? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. I hope you eventually get that picture of the woolly mammoth. I've got my little uh, uh, meerkats here for reasons which will possibly only be understood by viewers in the United Kingdom. Sergei and Alexander and their little children have been banished from the British screen. So I've adopted them. 7,100 votes, uh, easily a new record. NATO is using the Ukrainian people for its own ends. So overwhelmingly, say our viewers. Trevor in Cambridgeshire. Go ahead, Trevor. Hi, George. Can I firstly say that just a few years ago, I didn't like you very much because of the uh, 
the media nonsense that I was being shown about yourself. Thank you, thank that's, you, sir. You've changed your mind, I hope. I think you're an absolute warrior for the truth, and I will endeavour to uh, pass uh, your information around as, get, as many people as I can. Thanks, First, thanks. Uh, the, main, the main point is, yes, I, I joined the army as a junior soldier, and I was brutalised and uh, bullied, and uh, uh, the... the it was fear that drove me and indoctrination, and I hated certain people. It was for me. It was the Irish. I absolutely hated and detested, and I was and I was fearful of, and it, it was a complete and utter indoctrination. Um, what we're going with what we've gone through for the last two years with the uh, uh, the the disease hysteria, and now we've just moved completely straight on to the next subject of the disease, next man. Disease, what disease? It, it's what? gone. It's completely well, gone. All the masks well, are gone. The virus is dead. On to the next one. The same levels of hysteria. Yep, you're absolutely right, George. It's, uh, to be honest, my whole life, I was just saying to somebody earlier today, my whole life, I've been scared of somebody via the television. It's been the Russians. And if it wasn't the Russians, it was the IRA. It is amazing how successful uh, that it is. Uh, it is repeated in conflict after conflict after conflict all the way back. I, I've studied the Sudan campaign, the battles of the Omdurman and so on. The Mahdi, the leader of the uh, Sudanese uh, forces, though he was a military genius, uh, was uh, routinely considered mad here. Uh, and there's been one madman after another that if only we could assassinate them, as Paula and High Wickham uh, wanted to do, uh, then all our problems would be solved. And then another one comes up and he's mad also. And uh, war and assassination and so on uh, well, fills I the air. Last word to you, Trev. Yeah, I'm just saying, for, as Hillary Clinton said, um uh, I, actually, if I'm going to use the last word, I'm going to use it for something uh, which I wrote down. And, and because I'm a, because I, I have, I, I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD from my time in service. I, I'm going to just say this one thing: we are going to have a world of PTSD when people wake up to the fact that they have been mentally beaten into acceptance of the things contrary to their own beliefs and inherent common sense. It's indoctrination, George. I thank you very much for what you're doing. God bless you. God bless you and keep you. It's, uh, it's absolutely true what you've said. There's people getting PTSD watching the bloody television news. That's the uh, truth of it. Uh, now, uh, Ian says, you mentioned that the U.S. has recently been talking to Venezuela, this weekend actually, uh, trying to repair relationships in order to secure oil and gas supplies. I don't doubt that part. But do you think it could also be to avert Russia and China placing their missiles there? I don't know, Ian, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. Juan Guaido, the president of Venezuela, is no more. And the chumps on the bench at the Old Bailey that handed Juan Guaido, the pretender, the great pretender, a billion dollars worth of Venezuela's stolen sovereign wealth, is no more. He might get the gig in the Ukraine as a compensation, but he ain't anymore the president of Venezuela because the American government is currently, this weekend, 
talking to the actual government of Venezuela. Just think about that. Now, let me go to Hong Kong. How can I not? Chris is in Hong Kong. Go ahead, Chris. Welcome. Yeah, how are you this evening, George? Great to be on the show again. Great, um, great line. Talk. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Uh, strange talking about Venezuela at the moment and Russia, actually. Um, it, it's rather difficult to produce diesel <laughs> without Venezuelan or Russian oil. Venezuela but, has the world's largest, uh, largest resources and Russia the second largest. Yeah, but uh, when Shell has purchased its load of Russian oil, that has to be mixed with other oils so that we can get diesel, so that we can deliver goods. A lot of people don't know that. So that's another uh, good shot in the foot by uh, the EU and uh, our Mm. NATO partners, shall I say. Look, uh, talking about things down here, um, specifically in Asia, and um, with regards to China, obviously I'm in the People's Republic of China, Um, events in Ukraine have been covered low-key in official media outlets, the Chinese media outlets. Um, There haven't been too much uh, bellicose um, media coverage, Uh, even in Japan, in Nikkei Time, by the way, uh, Singapore Strait Times, it's been more circumspect mm-hmm. um uh, uh, obviously um india uh isn't on board pakistan certainly isn't on board bangladesh is not on board so we've got this rather massive three billion person block yeah they forget about the they moment. don't count you see <laughs> no no well, they, we've uh, all do you remember bre- hey, hey. chris do you hey, remember allegedly we all have brown skin <laughs> Let me, uh, one of the wittiest things I ever heard Tony Benn say uh, was, uh, I've just realized that I know half of the international community. George Bush and Tony Blair are the international community, and I know Tony Blair. Therefore, I know mm. half of the international community. They, they pretend that they're speaking for everyone in their own countries, and they absolutely negate wipe the gigantic populations uh, that are not on the same side as them. Okay, well, uh, whilst uh, NATO, uh, the European Union, and America wants to get on with whatever they wish to get on with, um, we have a significant uh, Far Eastern economic bloc. And that's been in gestation for a long time. Um, Russia cemented itself into that, ingratiated itself, that might be a better word, uh, in December when you had the Putin President Z big meeting, massive, and uh, then you had the February 4th Putin Z meeting just before the Beijing Winter Olympics. Uh, there was a 5,000-word document uh, issued from that uh, uh, reinforcing uh, what had been stated in um, December, which was a new strategic relations to, uh, relationship, business relationship, and being no doubt uh, the Russian, or, I mean the Chinese foreign ministry, had full knowledge of Putin's intent 
I'm which sure, is yeah. I'm sure they're, uh, they're acting I believe in uh, synchronicity. That the reality is yeah. they were asked to hold on, and in holding on, you also had the Munich security meeting in Germany that Zelensky attended, and then lamenting the fact that they had no nuclear weapons and that they would like to ascertain nuclear weapons again. And what happens today, highlighted on your show, I actually just missed it about three days ago when I read about these uh, laboratories in the Ukraine. If it's a fact they were manufacturing weapons of mass destruction. Changes everything. That, I mean, the neo-fascists. Oh, yeah, my God. Changes everything. Does. The plague. No, it certainly does. Cholera. Sir. Unbelievable. It certainly does. Thanks, but Chris. Great call in Hong Kong. Tony is in Go. Go ahead, Tony. Evening, George. Evening, sir. George, I always think, even though we'll probably agree to disagree, there has to be a level of consistency. For many years, I've listened to other radio stations, and you've been absolutely fantastic and fair, where you've stood up for Britain about the occupancy of the Nazis in the 30s and the 40s. Mm -hmm. I, I'll keep this quick. I agree with you completely about the disgusting behaviour of the West where we bombed Iraq, which was an invasion on lies. And the, the truth is just unforgivable what's happened there. And while I also agree to a certain extent what's been happening in Ukraine for the last eight years, and we don't have to look back at the tragic events of the Flight F-17 that most people that know a bit about politics will know that there's been conflict for eight years. If we're going to go down the path of consistency, this is simply, in the long run, a war that Russia can't win because you've only got to study history. You've got to look at Afghanistan with the British, then the Russians and the Americans. It, countries will fight to the death for their nationality. And uh, 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 if you mean actually militarily, uh, Russia will completely control Ukraine. Uh, I didn't mean that, uh, I meant morally. Yeah, morally, yeah. I mean, that's a, a different matter. George. But you said they'll fight to the death. They won't. Uh, the rich have already fled from Ukraine and the uh, regime in Kiev will not be long in fleeing after them. Uh, that but, will not be the end of the story. You're right. You're right. That will not be the end of the story. And Russia may well find that while it does not want to occupy Ukraine, uh, it may well in the end have to. Uh, but sometimes there are wars that have to be fought, Tony. The, uh, the Second World War had to be fought. We had no choice and should have confronted Hitlerism uh, earlier than we did. And we could have done so in 1936, could have done so over Spain, we could have done so over Abyssinia, but the Chamberlain-Hitler pact uh, at Munich and so on merely delayed the inevitable. Sometimes wars have to be fought. And I think from Russia's perspective, if you were Russian, you would see stopping Ukraine, joining NATO, and American nuclear weapons being moved up to Russia's border, five George, minutes flying time. You, you, you would agree with that, Tony? George, can I just finish on this? Yeah, last one to you. I do, yeah, I'll make this quick. I actually, I do understand... I spoke to my good lady uh, a few weeks ago about this, and I do see both points of view, and we would be the same as Russia if it was the way around. 
but my heart goes out, just like it's been going out for four years, I've rung you about the bombings in Syria with the Russians, the, the British disgusting selling the typhoon jets in Yemeni. We're all dirty. Honestly, if you look at it through history, with weapons, we're all dirty. And I just feel for people around the world with all these conflicts. And the yeah. last point I'd say in it, I'm actually going to say something controversial here. Oh, another one. Go on. Go on. I think the UK president is actually now being reckless because he's fighting a war where the people are losing the battle. And I would think now the best thing he could do would swallow his pride a bit and try and broker a deal because he is now he's putting his women and children in the firing line. And I just feel for him. Good call, Tony. Very good call. Now, uh, news on the podcast, as I mentioned on Moats Extra on Thursday, we have new subscribers in Zambia, Rwanda, Malawi, the Aland Islands near Finland, Belize, Somalia, Tanzania, Yemen, Gibraltar, Bulgaria, Denmark, and Chechia. But since, is that Chechenia, Chechenia or the Czech Republic? Do check. Czech Republic. Uh, see, I can't keep up to date with all these new names. But since then, we've had North Macedonia, Jamaica, and Uganda subscribe to us. This means we now have subscribers in 144 countries. Actually, can't be many countries left in the world that have got electricity uh, that we are not yet in. We've been in the political top 20 in the UK, Spain, Russia, Cyprus, Qatar, Poland, Portugal, Nigeria, Egypt, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Argentina, Singapore, Sweden, South Africa, and New Zealand. And we are number one in Ghana, Oman, Namibia, Ecuador, Slovenia, Zimbabwe, and Malaysia. Oh, you'd be a fool not to uh, download us. Remember to subscribe to this behemoth and give us a five-star review like Sailor Matt in Australia, who says, the only show with decent analysis, especially now that Silicon Valley censorship has kicked in here in Australia. Five stars. Thank you, Matt, uh, for that. Uh, let's get through the calls. Nadia in Harrow in London. Go ahead, Nadia. Hi, George. I told you we should be moving to Jamaica. Ah, <laughs> yes. Well, now we can download the podcast there. <laughs> Jamaica, oh, there's a great married? song. Isn't there, isn't there a Barry Manilow song about Jamaica? Maybe I'm getting mixed up. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I mean, the ridiculousness of everything that's going on, what I'm hearing, just a one-sided point of view. And people should be worried when that happens. But you see from tonight's audience and last week's audience and Thursday's audience, Nadia, there's an enormous appetite uh, amongst people for a different point of view, even if they don't agree with it. Because because it's being censored from them from them and everyone's asking questions now exactly. what the hell is going on exactly and you know the the racism all of a sudden ban everything russian ban and the hype it's too much and people smell a rat since the iraq war i'm sorry that's yeah, it i agree i agree entirely yeah. uh, they they and, they stop believing a large segment of our population stop believing yeah. the state after the iraq war i mean look at the joke in afghanistan when the 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 whole taliban moved in Straight after the troops left. I mean, come on. Mm. <laughs> I mean, for me, you know, when I hear about the sanctions and about all of this uh, malarkey going on, all this, you know, Russian phobic things that are happening, 
for me, that, what that's doing, it's just joining Russia together under Mother Russia. That's why they call it Mother Russia. Yeah. And, you know, this is for me, you, you don't know what you're doing in, in that regard. When I, when I think about the British government and the MI6, I'm like, I don't know well, what they're doing. Well, it's hard to see that it can succeed. Uh, the Russian-China strategic partnership holds all the aces, as our people yeah. will quickly discover uh, when, the, when the gas price becomes uh, it's unsustainable. It's already hyping up. Yeah, yes, it's already un going unsustainable. up. Unsustainable. And the petrol price and the price of commodities, which feeds into everything that is manufactured. It will become yeah. unsustainable. The banking uh, crisis, which must yeah. be just around the corner. Uh, so we're in, we're in very, very difficult times, Nadia. Last word yeah, to you. But just a, a quick thing. You see, the, the, the thing with that, when you cut ties with Russia and the trade with Russia, you open, well, you're opening yourself to um, trade with the Americans. So the Americans benefit from this kind of trade. So I think that's kind of the strategic point from the Americans. Well, it's definitely true okay. in, uh, in shale oil, and uh, they yeah. are going to try and supply some of the dramatic shortfall that's going to now exist in the European Union in particular. That's it. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but they, they will do so at a very high price, and they can only do so very, very partially. Nadia, thanks. Yeah. Lovely call. Uh, Gregory is in Luton. Go ahead, Gregory. Hi there, George. Thanks for taking the call, mate. Um, Welcome. You've been educating me for many, many years, my friends, and um, I've you. you around for a long, long time to do it all. God willing, um, thank you. George, I just want to make, um, um, take up the issue about um, the Israeli delegation going to Moscow. Yeah, it was the Prime to, Minister, I think. Yeah. Well, to quote, you know, on a moral, on a morally, obliga morally obligated to negotiate a diplomatic solution to this. But, you know, Israel, I would say... Don't do anything for altruistic reasons. You know, there's always an agenda there. And um, the agenda being, on this occasion, um, the extrication from Ukraine of 100,000 Ukrainian Jews, right? Well, most think, Ukrainian Jews, of course, were murdered. Uh, and most this. of those... We've got new subscribers in... Uh, Martinique, Mother, Fiji, Cambodia, uh, Mauritius, occupy somebody else's and Georgia. That's not some Georgia, USA, from but Georgia and the Caucasus. And that means we now have subscribers of Ukraine. You really 130 countries. I don't know what and we've been in the political top 10 in Russia, South Africa, Singapore, uh, and the Philippines. And this actually is because our Maxwell the Monster podcast was released on all of our podcast platforms. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to more anytime, the, uh, anywhere. And leave us, by the way, a five-star review if you would. Here's one. I listen in from Saudi Arabia and play your podcast on the commute to and from daycare. Not sure what my two-year-old gets out of it. I certainly enjoy your perspective and the diversity of guests. No, which you you have on you, thanks you really to you. can't rule thanks out to Gregory. you and to your thanks for the call mate. mark is in court in ireland go ahead mark we've lost mark let me do some more social media aziz says the warsaw pact was dissolved in 1991 why didn't nato also dissolve uh dia kalidia says every warned spirit knew that nato was playing 
with Ukrainians' lives to see what Russia is capable of. Here we are now. So neither EU nor USA can stop Russia. Paul S. says NATO is just the muscle taking its orders from Wall Street. Gary D. says weapons manufacturers are using them. NATO is just a slave. Big business is in control of the West. The system is broken. And Richard in Wales says, I would say to this, as I did when I heard it on the radio, I think that Vladimir would be happy to give his defence on trial in The Hague. But please, not before the mile-long queue of other defendant candidates take their place in chronological order. And Tom says, to quote the ghoul Blair's education, 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 the irony is that Moats does exactly that, but not, I suspect, in the way he intended. Thanks, Tom. And Andy says, hi, George, do you find it ironic that Sturgeon and the Scottish separatists support Ukraine who are fighting against separatists? More than ironic, my dear. Let's go to Oxbridge. Uh, Jamal is in Uxbridge in outside London. Go ahead, Jamal. Hi there, Jamal. Uh, hi there, George. Great fan of yours. Thank you, sir. Uh, just let, by the way, you're one of the few sources of truth on the media. Yeah, there's not uh, many of us left. <laughs> not many, not many. Lying BBC are just not worth watching. But oh, God, anyway, no. uh, I, I, It makes me physically sick, the BBC news. I, 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 I cannot bear five seconds of it. What the BBC do, they establish a false narrative yeah. and then get everybody to discuss around that narrative. Even on Match uh, of the Day, I had to switch off Match of the Day last night for the first time in my entire life. I know you're a football fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, here's my little, my little two cents. Basically, I saw a uh, lecture by somebody called Professor Meisermeyer. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Uh, University Mir of Chicago. Mearsheimer. Mearsheimer. The now trying to sack him from the University of Chicago for correctly predicting in 2014 what would finally eventually happen next. Uh, I was just like speaking, like listening to a clairvoyant or a soothsayer. Yeah. I was almost physically shaken. Yeah. He predicted everything that's going to happen now. Yeah. Basically, he said that the West is leading Ukraine up the primrose path that uh, they're encouraging Ukraine to play hardball with Russia. And when the crunch comes, they will not support Ukraine. And he said, you're, you're heading for the total destruction of the Ukraine. It's and, absolutely uh, which, which is, tragic. Which is happening now. Uh, absolutely so, tragic. I, you know, Mir Sharmar is a very, very considerable academic indeed. Anyone who dismisses what he has to say, uh, especially without actually watching it, is an absolute fool. Uh, and to try and cancel him for being right, well, hey, that's happened to me before, Jamal. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's go to Wembley in London. Neil, go ahead, Neil. Hi, George. Uh, brilliant fan of the show. Thank you, sir. Um, finally got a chance to speak on the little situation that's been going on between Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. Um, well, my thoughts is that the West probably made the biggest mistake them off from SWIFT, only because now Russia will look to decentralise finance. Absolutely they will. Necessity is the mother of invention, Neil. Yeah. And um, also, another thing is, I'm not too sure how true this is. Um, 
well, I don't know if you have any knowledge on it, um, where whether or not Vitalik Buterin, the owner of Ethereum, is a part of the KGB or not. Who? <laughs> Who's a part of the KGB? Uh, Vitalik Buterin, the owner of Ethereum. No, I've, I've never heard of him, mate. I, I don't know about that. But there's no KGB. Uh -oh. The KGB's been dead for decades. It's the FSB now. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, um, last call. Also, last word to you, Neil. Yeah, no, um, just one more thing as well, is um, because Russia have been testing our airspace uh, defenses for years, um, will a cyber attack be the first point of attack on the West towards us? Uh, no, uh, it's much more likely to take place in uh, in in the next uh, week or so, uh, and on land. Oh, in a okay. hot a hot war. Uh, I have said since before uh, the uh, before Christmas, as this uh, climate uh, worsened and fears escalated, and it's there on YouTube. You can see it. Uh, I have said over and over again that I think we're going to be at war in this year of 2022 and nothing's happened that has dissuaded me uh, from that. Thanks, Neil, for the call. Angel is in Bristol. Let's hear from Angel. Go ahead, Angel. Hello, George. It's really good to be talking to you. you um, I wasn't that? actually expecting a callback, but I'm really pleased. Uh, but yeah, um, basically, I'm Bulgarian. Um, I lived in Bristol. Uh, the UK for a long time. Okay. And this is harkening back to um, the Russophobia that we're seeing now. It's harkening back to like the Cold War era, which I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and experienced living in the UK. And subsequently, the EU membership of Bulgaria. So there's a lot of xenophobia. And this kind of um, thing that we're not quite European, you know, and shouldn't be treated as such. So... Uh, it's kind they'll be, of, they'll be taking you for a Russian, uh, you know, that in the same way that Sikhs get attacked uh, at times of mm. hatred of Muslims, even though not they're true. not at all Muslims, uh, they'll be attacking mm. uh, Bulgarians and insulting them at least. I know. And we have a long history with Russia, and it really upset me the other day, a third of um, uh, March is a celebration for um, Bulgaria's independence or kind of Russia's help with um, getting rid of the Ottomans in the late 1800s. Mm -hmm. And it seems that a lot of Bulgarians have now become brainwashed by NATO and EU uh, news, um, you know, media. And they've banned RT as well, which I found out recently. Well, the whole you of know, the EU did that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and as you know, I'm quite upset that a lot of uh, Bulgarian people are now kind of siding with the EU against our basically our brothers. Who, who yeah, are I, I can understand. I can hear it in your voice. I can feel how you're feeling. Uh, all I would say is, if you want to cheer yourself up, look at the mega rally in uh, in Belgrade that took place this week. That'll cheer you up, my friend. Uh, thanks for the call. Now, earlier we had a call from Paula in High Wycombe. Some of the comments on YouTube suggest that Paula is now trending in the United Kingdom. She's being discussed widely on all platforms. We gave her, of course, plenty of time, as is only correct, because here 
We believe in freedom of speech, unlike the hypocrites that spent your whole lifetime telling you that they did. Mohammed is in Philadelphia. Let's go to him. Go ahead, Mohammed. Hey, George, how are you? By the grace of God, good. Thank you. Good, good. Thank, thank God. Uh, well, I got good news for you, first of all. Uh, according to the media here, COVID doesn't exist anymore. No, uh, uh, Putin, killed, a, Putin killed the COVID bug. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, a miracle, isn't unfortunately, it? It's a miracle. It is crazy. Unbelievable. And uh, the bad news, the media here in this country is owned by people who work for a different entity than the American people, man. They don't care. Uh, they're leading us to war. Everything I see, uh, like uh, constantly uh, provoking Ukrainians to fight and giving them weapons and, and uh, basically spreading this mass propaganda, it, it doesn't look good. I don't think the American governments care about the American people, you know, unlike some people think. And, and that's what scares me. I don't think they have the sanity to keep us out of a World War III. I've never believed they cared anything about the ordinary people of America any more than British governments care about the ordinary people yeah. of Britain. Mohammed, thanks for the call. John is in Phoenix, Arizona. Let's hear from him. John, welcome. Oh, well, thanks, uh, George. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? By the grace of God, I'm good. Thanks, John. Go ahead, sir. Awesome. So, uh, uh, George, it's hopeless. There's no way to wake up the cattle. Uh, they stole the election, the corona hoax. How do you think that they're going to uh, handle the uh, bio labs in, in the Ukraine? They're just going to brush it off. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, that uh, doesn't uh, exculpate them. It will eventually pursue them and haunt them. And one day, uh, things will change, John. I, I believe that. I lived through a period less than 20 years ago, where I was public enemy number one. They were trying to prosecute me for treason. They were attacking me uh, in the street. Uh, they were calling me bad and mad. And now, less than 20 years later, nobody in Britain, and I mean nobody, would turn up to a university debate with me on the subject of the Iraq war. So things change. There will be a period where people will, people will feel uh, actually embarrassed and even ashamed of the way in which they were again fooled. John, last word to you. Uh, so uh, as of, um, uh, it's, that's really confusing. Could you talk a little bit more about that? The Azov uh, Battalion is a part of Ukraine's National Guard. It is deployed yeah. mainly along the border uh, with uh, with the two uh, breakaway republics in the Donbass, they are swastika carrying, SS insignia you know, bearing, jack booted Hitlerites. Uh, they are people so who believe confusing. that black people, gay people, Jewish people, and Russian people are subhumans, and that's our new friends, John. Uh, so I agree with everything you're saying, but it makes zero sense because the founder, uh, and it's on the Wikipedia page as well, is uh, a Ukrainian Jew. He's not the founder, but I, he I is. Don't, I don't he's not the founder, but he is the funder. Go figure. 
Follow Max Blumenthal. Uh, well, also on the Wikipedia page, there's a whole bunch of Jews that are a part of this. Yeah, well, why don't you go to another Jew, Max Blumenthal, uh, on the Grey Zone. He's written about it this very day. He explains it all quite brilliantly. Go ahead, Heidi. Hello, George. How are you? Nice to hear from you. Go ahead, sir. Well, I'm a fan of you. Well, Thank I you. live in Germany, uh, uh -huh. and, uh, well, the media is very one-sided. It's very anti-Russian. Uh, they do not, well, they do not present the real truth. They do not present anything. For example, the, the situation, the geopolitical game, that there is a, a geopolitical game against Russia, uh, and Putin being uh, threatened by nuclear weapons in Ukraine, uh, by possible uh, the development uh, of Ukraine of the nuclear weapons and the invitation of NATO uh, troops to Ukraine, uh, they just don't talk about it. It's oh, it's very one-sided media. I really wonder if uh, Germany or and other Western countries are really a democracy anymore. It is just uh, one-sided. I, I think that is a very important question. It's one that we don't have time fully to explore, but. Uh, the extent to which our countries can now be called a democracy is uh, very much uh, in question. Uh, here in Britain, we have a one-party parliament, two cheeks of the same ass, uh, all supporting the same policies on all the important things. We have a media which is ludicrously unfree. We have a major crackdown on social media platforms. The only reason that I'm still here is uh, because I'm the leader of a British political party. I have a mass following of more than uh, one and a half million people on social media. I have an audience of more than one million people on this show. If they could get rid of me, they would. Uh, perhaps a, a car accident uh, might be the only way. Perhaps uh, a walk in the woods that goes uh, wrong. So understand this, Heidi. I never walk in the woods. And as a Roman Catholic, I cannot commit suicide. So if I'm found having committed suicide in a wood, it never happened. Here is the legend Norma in Bristol. Go ahead, Norma. Hello, George. Um, I wrote on a piece of paper, the waves of war are flooding in because it's a worry. It's a very powerful um, line. Very good. Well, how can we stop it? Because we've got nuclear weapons now, so mm. we haven't got the power. If it does get worse and worse, we haven't got any power, have we? No, we don't. Um, I mean, I wouldn't contemplate the end of the world scenario, but according to Tony Blair's interview, did you hear it with the Archbishop today? I couldn't bear, but I read the, oh, low, I read the low lights. It was very boring, but... He does believe that good will eventually overcome. I mean, if we do have this terrible sort of scenario of this nuclear war, there won't be anybody left, will there? No, uh, only the cockroaches uh, yeah, may survive it. Anyone uh, that's watched the next day or watched Threads, as people like you and me uh, of our age had to do back in the... Uh, 1980s, when nuclear war mm. between the Soviet Union and the U.S. looked likely, uh, knows that face masks or hiding <laughs> under your table no or in the cupboard under the stairs is it not broke. where it's at. There will be nothing left. 
protest and survive with E.P. Thompson, not protect and survive. It was a wonderful piece of work. God rest him. I wish yeah. he was uh, here now. Well, uh, all we can do is pray, Norma. Uh, I advise all those who are religious people to pray that today's events do not go down in history as a turning point from which there was no turning back. Uh, but I have my fears. If we're still here, uh, we may be back in midweek if I can put the uh, assets together, but it's not easy. Uh, but if we're not in midweek, then we will be back here next Sunday at the same time and the same place. I'd like to say, as I usually do, that it's been marvelous, but not really, because we may be entering the end game. Did Tony Blair's half apology convince you? 6% say yes, 94% say no. I think that we must all now prepare for the worst. I'm George Galloway. This is the mother of all talk shows. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.